When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like, comment, let us know what you think about the episode. If there's questions that you have about your particular build or maybe something else you want to know about or maybe even an entirely different topic that you know pertains to diesel or the automotive aftermarket trends news things like that we love to hear from you guys and then also love to be able to turn those questions and comments into future episodes today we're going to be joined by dan clark he's the owner of dan's diesel and he sat down with the guys in the shop and is going to talk about turbos fueling tons of cool new things they're working on how to size air and fuel for the power level that you want and a lot of uh, really cool projects and, and things they're working on so it's going to be a great podcast before we get to it though i want to remind you guys our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site wide code for you. Just use code 20diesel at kershaw.kaiusa.com. Great way to save some money and get some cool gear, whether you need something for hunting, fishing, EDC, around the house, at the job site. They've definitely got you covered. they got a ton of choices regardless of what your budget is. They can uh, definitely make sure you get taken care of. So make sure and head on over if you're in the market. Take advantage of the discount code. All right, I'm going to pass this off to Dan Clark at Dan's Diesel and the guys in the shop and hear what they have to say about turbos, fueling, and a ton of cool things they're working on there at Dan's Diesel Performance. Your little... your little. Oh, he's recording. Don't say oh. anything. <laughs> All right. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Um, so I suppose, yeah, yeah, jump right in. Yeah, let's get this podcast started. What's going on, everybody? I'm Dan with Dan's Diesel Performance, and you're listening to the Diesel Podcast. I have our production team with me today. I have Garrett, Colton, and Phil. Hello there, listeners. <laughs> I'm Phil. I'm um, Colton. I work in our field department um, and help out on the turbo side when they need it kind of do a little bit of everything so and i'm garrett the lead fabricator and basically head turbo builder (laughs) i do a little everything i do some machining some helping garrett some helping colton something of a gopher over here yeah go for this go for that (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's been a little while since we've done a podcast we've been pretty busy in the shop working on you know big projects like we had monster max come in and out of here and uh some of the pull trucks and uh you know working on turbos and injectors r&d stuff you know and uh you know personal things too so it's been a little difficult to get uh some time set aside to do a podcast but uh, we're hoping to get more of these knocked out so yeah glad you mentioned that monster max um yeah. It was difficult to just set time aside for our customer orders and things like that. So uh, big thanks to you guys bearing with us on that. It was Garrett and I that did a majority of the work on that. So And we were taken off of what we should have been doing to be doing that. So While those two were doing that, <laughs> Phil, was, Phil was holding me, down the fort. Just me in the, in the fab shop and so, machine shop doing my best to keep up. So Yeah, yeah Monster Max was definitely overwhelming more of a bite that we thought we could actually take, but we got it done and did the best that we could. For sure. Yeah, we could do like a whole episode just on Monster Max and how much work went into that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not just standard work, all the custom fab stuff that we had to do and everything like that. But uh, talk about why we're really here. Um, Just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what we do in our turbo shop um, as far as turbo and and injector uh, development, some of the R&D we've worked on over the course of the last couple of years. Um, we've just acquired a couple more machines uh, as far as doing injectors, so that's pretty cool. Uh, big things to expect there. Mm-hmm. So what sort of stuff is on the horizon? What, what have we, we've gone from sort of older technologies to kind of more up-to-date things? What do we got? What are we looking at? Well, it depends on uh, what product you're asking about um let's start with injectors uh 
let's take a look at where we've been and where we're headed on that, maybe. So we've been building injectors here f well, for a long time. Well, you were building them before I started in 2016. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it started off as just a simple uh, you know, Bosch EPS 205 test bench, uh, testing one injector at a time, uh, sending the, the nozzles out to get modified, and then, you know, we would assemble them here, you know, test them and calibrate them. Now we have our own EDM machine. We have a microflow machine, uh, more test benches. So, you know, as far as turnaround time, it's getting a lot faster. Uh, a lot of different sizes of stuff that we can do now. Uh, and we used to only go up to like 100%. Now we can go, you know, as, as high as you know, 500% on some stuff. Um, and just the fact that everything's done in-house now at this point, we have full control over, you know, what's going out as far as nozzles and things, or what's being produced, I should say. Yeah, yeah we, can, um, we can change things up a little bit, too, if we want to change the orifice size, orifice count, spray pattern, spray angle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can do a lot of stuff and, you know, get kind of custom for, you know, what the customer is asking for. Uh, or if he's got uh, different pistons, you know, we can change the nozzle to match those pistons a little bit better. What do you mean by that? Well, it uh, depends on how the piston is made, you know, the bowl design. Sometimes uh, the angle will need to be a wider angle or narrow. Um, or uh, some of the Duramax guys have those oval bowl pistons. So that's a possibility that we can, you know, change the spray angle of the injector to match the bowl better. And keep in mind that's very custom. I yeah, mean, that, 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 that's for the competition truck. Yeah. We're, we're not going to be doing that for essentially just your average customer or, right you know somebody that's wanting to build a street truck it's right it's yeah, really not necessary you know, i'm not a fan of the oval bowl pistons anyway but there are some guys out there running them so right. uh, you know, <coughs> we, we can do that potentially so right. uh really cool stuff happening there um on turbochargers you know we've been building drop-in turbos for many years now uh Still cranking them out, uh, everything from 64 mil up to 68 mil. Uh, so it depends on what the customer wants and what he's doing with the truck. You know, we can build it for him. Yeah. And we really do have uh, like a level of turbo for what anyone would want, right? From uh, say a stage one 64 millimeter, which is basically just an upgraded compressor wheel, all the way up to a 68 with a GT40 turbine and a 68 millimeter compressor yeah yeah and and really you know you talk about pairing your turbo to your injector you know i mean if you're running a, a stock injector you're, you're really not going to want to go above a stage one or a stage two especially if you don't have any plans of upgrading that in the future in the near future so. that's right ladies and gentlemen air and <laughs> fuel yeah. are necessary yeah. for your engine to run properly well, I don't in order to make to power match. yeah Right. Yeah, I, I see a lot of people, when they, when they have a truck, let's just take a Duramax, for example. This is what I see on a lot of the forums. You know, a guy will have, or girl, will have the piping done, the lift pump, the transmission, the tuning. You know, they've got the stock set up pretty much maxed out. And the next step, I would say 98% of the people are going to say is a turbocharger upgrade. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's always the case. No. I mean, it, it really just thinking about your power plant, it, it, that's where I would start if, if it was up to me. Mm -hmm. What part specifically? Your like, let's tran say. Transmission, you know, thinking about holding the power that you're getting ready to put toward, towards okay. the truck. So let's say you've, you've just bought your, your first diesel truck. You're new to the whole world of diesel. You want to start modifying it. You want to go faster and pull harder, but you don't really know where to start. What do you? What would you look for? Uh, what would your your step by step be to upgrade that? Uh, and what would your goals be for different upgrades? It kind of depends on the customer, actually. Yeah. What is sure. what is a customer's goal? Do they want to go out on the weekends and race the truck and drive it on the street every day? Are they just strictly racing it, or are they competing with it in the stock stock diesel class and sled point? I mean, it all comes down to that. So let's uh, let's take it from 
lowest to highest? Just let's start with, say, just the, the average consumer that wants to have a diesel truck to have a diesel truck, and they just want a little bit more pep out of the truck. Uh, probably not going to be pulling trailers, or if they do, nothing too large or too heavy. Probably beating on it here and there, but for the most part, responsible. You know, just a couple extra horsepower, maybe a little bit better response. What's someone like that going to want? Yeah, assuming he's already done the, the basic modifications. Yeah, fast, you know, one, you know yeah. 150 or 95, or one, or sorry, 165. Yeah. Was a 105 now. Oh, um, yeah, lift pump, transmission, uh, tuning, piping, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Say he's already maxed out. Uh, he should be around 500 horsepower, you know, at a safe injector pulse width. We'll leave it at that. Um, I'd say that the next step, you know, is probably going to be, I'd say injectors, to be honest. I don't think that uh, the gains from installing a larger turbocharger are going to be seen on stock fuel. Uh, You know, I, I think that the first thing to do would be to put a little bit larger injector in there so you can utilize the air that's already available, but keep that fire in the bowl of the piston where it belongs and not spraying it on top of the piston where it's just going to cause more EGTs and smoke potentially. Dry pressure. A piston, uh, could be, uh, yeah, dry pressure. <clears throat> so where, where would you say is maximum as far as injector size to just a, a stock turbo? Uh, I'd say a stock turbocharger, as far as pairing for injectors, um, probably like a 45% over, 50% over, something like that. And depending on generation truck, a lot of guys run SAC 45s, for instance, and LB7s with, you know, stock Mm -hmm. turbo and are happy with them, I would say. So, yeah, I think it really comes down to your, what your power goal is. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like to use 500 horsepower as a, a good base to what the stock fuel system maxes out at safely. Um, you know, w- once you start getting into that 2,000, you know, 2,200 microsecond range, you know, you're you're out of uh, efficiency window. So you now you're spraying outside of the bowl of the piston, and uh, the fuel's not going to be burning properly. So uh, if you take a injector size, let's say like just percentage-wise, um, like a 50% over injector. For every percent, it's about two to two and a half horsepower. So a 50% over injector is good for about another 100, 125 horsepower, give or take. Uh, so that, you know, that puts you around that 600 horsepower mark. And uh, you know, you're gonna be burning that fuel more efficiently, uh, keep the fire in the bowl, uh, it's going to keep your EGTs down, drive pressure down. You know, so that's what my recommendation would be. Uh, pick your horsepower goal and then size your injector accordingly based on that goal. For sure. And then size your turbocharger based on what that goal is also. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so that covers a, a like a mostly stock build. Let's take it an, a step up and say somebody's going to be pulling a fairly heavy trailer fairly often, but uh, it's it's not quite a full balls to the walls build. What what's someone who's going to be towing a Garrett? You've got experience here. What's a what's a good sized trailer? I'm I'm a car guy. I'm afraid I'm <laughs> out of my element here. Well, it depends on the kind of trailer. I mean, you <clears> can pull a 14 foot skid steer trailer with a 10,000 pound skid steer on it. That's a decent sized trailer for your average guy. Okay. Or you could have a 25-foot gooseneck that you pull your garden tractors or your farm tractor around on. Right, and you could safely do that with a a Stage 264. Um, I I think we've seen over the past, definitely not a 68. If you're buying a 68, you're buying it for competition, Um, especially ours. I mean, compared to other companies, 67s or 68s, however they decide to label them, I think ours is a little bit bigger and more Mm competition-based. So what is it about our 68 that is not necessarily the best for uh, a daily driver towing sort of setup turbine size um compressor size and vane size also yeah absolutely you know the turbocharger is built to move a lot of air and a lot of exhaust Mm -hmm. so you know high rpm stuff 
well, once you hook to a trailer, your RPMs are going to be much lower. So you're going to have more EGTs and uh, it's probably going to be a little dirty run down the road just because you don't have those RPMs to spin that turbocharger efficiently. That and you start to lose drivability. I mean, yeah. really, if you're if yeah. you're wanting a turbo that's going to be fun on the street, make some power, stage 264, 66, depending on injector size, obviously, would be mm-hmm. more than suitable for yeah. most trucks out there. Yeah, the stage 264 is rated for 650 horsepower. <clears throat> so, you know, you pair that with a set of, like, 60 over injectors, you're going to be able to max that out. And we've seen more than that on plenty of trucks mm-hmm. as far as, yeah, you know. That depends on the, the dyno, too. I mean, our, sure. our dyno is a little uh, tough to make good numbers on. <laughs> she's, <laughs> a, yeah. she's a beast, that's for it, sure. But it's accurate. It's accurate. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't give away participation trophies. No, not at all. But And another thing, too, that plays in a big factor on that is with, like, a 68 or something on your truck, if you're pulling a trailer – when your torque converter locks, you're pulling that engine down further and increasing your cylinder pressures. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing that destroys engines is cylinder pressure. If you're going up a mountain or something, mm-hmm. the engines, truck's going to want to... Yeah, I mean, when you go up a mountain or the side of a steep grade, your truck's going to want to downshift. Mm-hmm. So if you have a big turbo and a big tune in it, it's not going to want to do that. It's going to want to lug itself out, and it just increases those pressures in the cylinder, and that's how you crack a piston or do more damage than what it's actually worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So would you say in, in that case, I'm kind of speaking from ignorance here, but would you say that you're under-speeding the turbo and as such there's the, the air that's being pushed in isn't moving fast enough and that's what causes the problem? Yeah, you're, there's, there's not enough RPM there to push the turbocharger into its efficiency zone. So you don't have as much boost. So therefore, you're going to have higher EGTs, uh, more smoke, because you're not burning that fuel efficiently. Um, so it's just it's just not a fun time. Okay, so, so all of that could be solved with an appropriately sized turbo, right. say yeah. a stage two sixty four or a sixty six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, depending it, on your fuel. Yeah. It really all depends on what you're using the truck for primarily, and uh, buying the right parts for that application. So keep in mind when. Phil's asking these questions. He is a machinist. He is a great machinist, <laughs> but the diesel trucks he's new to. Um, so he's still kind of learning some stuff, and he's kind of playing devil's ad- advocate here on things. Yes, I'm doing my best on that. Uh, definitely more of a car guy. I do like diesel as well, but I'm much less familiar <laughs> with diesel than I am with cars or gas engines. But hey, you're learning, right? Indeed. I mean, this all is a learning experience. It's sure. been fun so far, and I'm sure it will be in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we've covered, you know, the daily driver, the mm-hmm. the tow rig. What's the sixty-eight for then? Just the Yeah, the like we like we said, competition use. I mean pull trucks, yeah, drag yeah, work, trucks. Yeah, work stock trucks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, guys that go to the drag strip or you know, just like the hot rod on the street every once in a while. Right. Um, I mean, you can daily drive a 68. I just, you know, wouldn't put it to work. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. And in, in really something that you're going to be pairing the proper injector size with. Um, really, 100 over is probably the minimum. The, the minimum, yeah. I mean, you know, we're sizing injectors to 200% over for the 68s mm-hmm. in some trucks. And, you know, it, it's nice when the truck is running about 1500 microseconds you know keeping that fire in the bowl uh, it runs good I mean, you're saving your engine at that point yeah yeah your egts are lower mm-hmm. and drive pressure is lower um I, i'd say the majority of turbo failures that we see come back are from excessive egts or drive pressure mm-hmm. you know guys are running either stock injectors on uh 68 or even a 66 and just the tuner's got the pulse width set to 3,000 microseconds or whatever, and, you know, it melts it down. Yeah, and, and it's almost the same story on every single one. It, it's it, we, we don't see anything different. You know, you, you get – The you guy that you, the guy's <laughs> like, oh, I was just driving down the road and it let go. Yeah, sure. Right, and, and you get in touch with the customer and talk to them about it. And, and you know, we try to give them the, the benefit of the doubt in most situations on their warranty 
and claims and everything, but it, it's it's the same scenario: stock fuel, poor tuning, um, you know, mm-hmm. high vein pressure or high mm-hmm. vein position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guy will put that turbocharger on and tell his tuner set it on kill, and it kills they're, the turbocharger. Yeah, they're <laughs> driving time. it to the maximum every yep. single time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's not just VGTs. Uh, we just had a couple uh, S400s come in off of L5Ps that are running stock injectors. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Uh, that that fat pulse width is going to cause high drive pressure, high AGTs, and uh, even the S400s can uh, fail. So Yeah, which you could, I mean, it's kind of surprising to see that on the L5Ps. Yeah. As, as especially just because of what you can make power-wise like, on yeah on stock fuel, but you are still limiting yourself Yeah, with stock fuel even on the L5Ps. Yeah, the, the L5P injector isn't even that big. It's no. about the same size as what the LMLs are. Mm-hmm. So the, the only thing saving it is the pressure. Yeah. Plus I also think that, you know, the way the engine's built too, if you think like it's got, you know, a better Y-bridge set up and, mm-hmm. you know, intake runners. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think that does help it make more power. But uh, yeah, the, the same issue still there. Yeah. So this just in, folks, EGTs are <laughs> not just a number. Yeah, you will <laughs> melt your hot side if you run them too high. Pay attention to your EGTs. Keep them in check. We see a lot of melted veins, a lot of melted inducers or parts on the turbine. Uh, it, getting hot is not good. Yeah. Well, the other one's also overspeed. Uh, see we a see, bit of that. Where we see the, the compressor wheel just literally ripped apart, and that's because the, you know, the rotating assembly of the turbo was spinning so fast that the blades just literally ripped off like paper. And you know, that comes from a lot of drive pressure and, um, and heat just pushing that turbo just too fast. Uh, and the bigger the turbocharger, the lower the burst RPM is. So you, know, you got to kind of keep that in mind when you're you know, tuning the truck and setting it up for making the power you want to make. Well, yeah, I mean, but you go to a 64 mil, your burst speed's like 130,000-ish RPM. You go to a 68, and you're looking at like 110. So that little bit of difference in 20,000 RPM could make the difference from it failing or living. I, I suppose that makes sense. You know, you've got a, a wider wheel. The faster it spins, the further away from the axis of rotation your weight is, the more force it has. Mm-hmm. So bigger stuff needs to spin slower, basically. Mm-hmm. What about, you know, we've been talking a lot about drop-ins and things. Where, where, where do you finally draw the point where my build just, it, it can't support a drop-in? It's it's too big. We want to run something bigger. I'd say the drop-ins are good for at 750, you know, 800 horsepower mark when really pushing on them. Um, I know we've got some LB7 68 mils that are right at 800 horsepower, 790 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Uh, but above that, it's it's time to go into a probably an S400. So you get a little bit bigger bearing package, larger turbine, higher flowing exhaust housing, and you go bigger on the compressor side too. Right, and, and it's a sacrifice of essentially with you know a drop in. Yeah, you're you're sacrificing reliability on a bigger drop in. Mm-hmm. You're you're running a smaller shaft. Um, you're making big power that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you got to kind of keep in mind. It's give and take. You're keeping your drivability, but you're also losing durability yeah as far as just construction mm-hmm. well plus with the uh, s400 now you have to get a whole install kit and uh, the availability of those is getting kind of scarce these days mm-hmm. uh, so either you have to fabricate it up yourself or you got to look outside of the united states to get what you want so or even try to find a used kit somewhere on the internet yeah, yeah. and and from what I've seen on forums, guys are asking <laughs> new price, <laughs> new yeah, price new. for a hundred thousand mile kit. You yeah, know? so it's tough, but you you got to consider that when you're buying a drop in, especially a big drop in, as far as a sixty eight, and you're pushing it hard and you're running it hard. They're, they're you're 
there's recipe for failure, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, one thing I've noticed, at least visually, is on the uh, the S four hundred style turbos that both the exhaust housing and the compressor housing look much more aerodynamic because the the factory Duramax turbos are a, a hot V style, so it sits in the middle of the engine block, and mm-hmm. they've got to worry about packaging and longevity and all that stuff manufacturers have to worry about. So you'll see that the, uh, the the inlet to the exhaust housing and the way that it spins into the turbine is not necessarily the nicest path, whereas with an S400, it's, it's much more direct. It, it seems to me to be much more aerodynamic, and then same on the uh, compressor side as well. It looks like it flows much better. Would that be a safe assumption there? Well, you can't forget either that if you're putting an S400 in a Duramax, you also have a pedestal to connect your up pipes mm-hmm. to your T4 or T6 foot on your S400. Yeah, so so you're keeping it similar, but yes, I mean it, it is it does flow better, but again, you are sacrificing drivability. I mean, you're going from a VGT to a straight vane or fixed vane style yeah. turbo. So you, yeah, you lose a little bit of that down low uh, response, <coughs> uh, but it, it they they run good. Yeah, so. Um, and you can size an S400 to do what you want to do. They make them in, you know, all the way down to 64 millimeters, 68s. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, from 64, 68, 72, 75. I've seen a couple 78s here and there. Hmm. 70, 76s, 80s, 76s, 80s, 80s, 80s 85s, 88s. We're some larger ones. Mm-hmm. Now, nowadays, yeah, um, yeah, we we do have a, a line of S four hundreds as well. Mm-hmm. If you got the install kit and put it on, yeah. Uh, but I mean, if you have a Cummins, then it's not that big of a deal. I mean, no, the not parts for that are available <laughs> day and night. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Duramax install kits are getting a little harder to find these days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, the Cummins stuff is the same from nineteen ninety nine, ninety eight, all the way to two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, right. for the most part, yeah. Subtle differences. But. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't call it a second-gen swap for no reason. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, that range of years encompasses all of the Duramax generations. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few of them. And then the 6.5s, too, as well. Ah, yes. Can't forget about old reliable. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Oh, boy. We love a 6.5 around here. The first remote mount. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but while we are talking about turbo failures, what are really some of the most turbo failures we see in right, yeah the, the, i'd say the most common would be the high EGTs, so that like the inducer on the turbine melts and the veins melt uh, and the other one is overspeed mm-hmm. but uh, some of the other ones are uh, the thrust bearing fails and that usually that's due to a boost leak or like a res- very restrictive air filter uh, we also see things get sucked in uh, so maybe a piece of slag from a fabricated intake or uh, dirt or maybe like the previous, like the stock turbocharger failed and they didn't clean out the air filter. So we got a little piece of shrapnel that gets sucked in. Yeah. Uh, see that. Uh, oil. Um, I know a lot of people like that 5W40 Rotella stuff. I'm not a big fan of it. Sometimes it's just a little too thin, especially if you're, uh, leaning on the charger, maybe sled pulling or something like that, uh, you can uh, you lose that cushion of oil in between the bearings and the shaft, and can start to eat away at the bearings. So that and operating in a warmer temperature. Yeah. By or, I mean, you're 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 limiting a lot of <laughs> a lot of lubricity. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good in the winter time, but you know, in the middle of summer, it's I it's just mm-hmm. too thin. For sure. Uh, some of the older trucks with their uh, smaller oil coolers the oil temps can get hot sometimes and uh, hot oil just doesn't have that lubricity like uh, cool oil does so that's a problem mm-hmm. and that, that's why we have uh, remote feed line kits to pull oil from the side of the block right next to the oil cooler so which side do we install those on what on the driver's side yeah yeah right next to the mm-hmm. motor mount not yeah. not on the uh, passenger side no. where it's furthest away from the oil cooler no or, we don't like doing that right or from the valley port itself yeah, oh, yeah. I, like, I have seen that before, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got, so. uh, like, one of the flaws in the early Duramax is 01 to 10. Uh, they pulled the oil through the number four cam bearing. 
So, you know, the number four cam bearing is sharing oil with the turbocharger. So neither one is getting a good adequate supply. And sometimes that cam bearing will seize and start spinning on the cam and uh, you know, cuts off oil supply to the turbo. Like we've seen guys send a brand new turbo in with the, the bearings are shot. There's no oil in the thing. And it's like, well, you probably uh, have a right. bad cam bearing, I think. Yeah. And, and we're not saying this to push a product. Um, we're, we're just saying it because it works. It's, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So if you're, if you are buying a drop in or considering buying a drop in buy the feed line, yeah. you know, I mean, if your can bearing spinning, it's not going to fix that. Your block is fucked anyway. But. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But. Um, but yeah, it's going to definitely help the turbocharger. Mm-hmm. Um, vein response on the VGTs that it does help that too, because you have more instantaneous oil pressure to actuate those veins. Uh, versus seeing a pressure drop through the cam bearing. So, um, I think the biggest takeaway from all this is do your due diligence prior oh yeah. to buying your turbocharger and installing your turbocharger. And that kind of is another good segue into buying injectors and and installing your injectors. Um, we see it a lot where a customer buys injectors, you know, they, they install them. And a couple weeks later, they're saying, hey, these are leaking. Hey, these are, you know, not flowing right. We've seen it a couple times. Or the truck's not running right, whatever. I just just did a set of injectors that were sent in for warranty a couple weeks ago. Uh, And they had not that many miles on them. I want to say maybe 10 or 15 miles. And uh, the complaint was two of them weren't firing. So before even putting it on the test bench, these are brand new, like 60 over injectors. Before I even put it on a test bench, I just took the injector apart just to see if there's any contamination because I don't want to put that into my machine anyway. And what I found around the needle spring was this black, almost like tar, uh, built up around the spring and on the uh, needle thrust member. It, it, um, it looked like seaweed yeah, it, when yeah, you were pulling it, or, it apart. Or, or, or plastic. It was, yeah, it was. It was a weird substance. And uh, the fuel... You know, it was red, but also it smelled kind of like a varnish. So it was almost like, um, I, I don't know the whole story, but it definitely had some bad fuel put in the tank. Maybe it was just the truck was out of fuel at the garage or whatever and decided to grab the tank on the farm or something and throw it in there. I don't know. but <laughs> Whatever. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it didn't like it, and every single injector that was sent in had that big chunk of black stuff in the nozzle area and also in the control valve and the armature so it just took the full injector apart and cleaned everything in the ultrasonic resealed it put it back together and it was operating like it was brand new again so fortunately there was no damage done but um you know it's one of those frustrating things like you gotta make sure that your fuel is yeah. good and it's not contaminated that's a, a great way to ruin a brand new set of injectors. And, yeah, and, it, and then some. If your injectors just sporadically go out, th- there's probably a reason for that. There, there's more behind that than just the injectors failed. Yeah. Um, so uh, water is another big one. Gasoline. Uh, gasoline. Uh, diesel line one. Or def. Um, you know, we've seen where def is in the fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, How does that happen? Uh, wind up with it's usually either someone's not paying attention when they're uh, <laughs> filling up their somebody truck. Somebody really screwed up. Or <laughs> we've uh, all had those. You know, maybe maybe as the wife went uh, filled up the, the tank. You know, yeah, it's not not stereotyping here, but mm-hmm. uh, you know <laughs> mistakes do happen, and yeah. it, it it sucks. Uh, Def will wreak havoc on a fuel system. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, diesel nine one one. Like if your fuel's gelled, uh, do not. Pour it directly <laughs> into your air filter or your, uh, your fuel filter. Yeah. Because uh, as we found out in a set that came back last week, uh, it will seize the needles yeah. in the nozzles and control valves, control valves will seize up. And they don't work it, or, or they're just stuck on. I mean, it's straight alcohol. It's, yeah, it, there's no lubricity and just no. it wrecks them. So um, that and ATF. ATF is not <laughs> a lubricant. Yeah, dude. Uh-huh. I, I remember back in the day when. People would say, oh, I put a quart of ATF in every, you know, fill up and it's going to help your injectors live longer. It's like, no. Maybe on an old 7.3. Those things will run on horse piss, (laughs) you know, know, kind of thing. But 
I mean, the best thing is just a, a good fuel additive. You know, there, there's a lot of good fuel additives out there. Power service is, is good. Uh, we prefer the Alliant Power uh, Ultra Guard. Which uh, we sell. Yeah, we, we do sell that. Pick that up when you stop in if you decide to. Yep. You have a summer grade and a winter grade. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of fuel additive companies out there, and, and they all do good. But I, I'd stick away, or stay away from you know ATF and um, two stroke. Yep, two stroke <laughs> oil, motor oil. Um, yeah, just just give them good clean fuel and a, yeah. a good lubricity additive. That's all I need. So um, basically, keep keep fuel in your fuel system. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, okay. And and another thing to kind of touch point on is is when you do the install, making sure they're seated properly, making sure yeah. they're torqued down properly. Yeah, we see them, uh, and I'm saying this because I hate seeing the customers waste their money on sending them back to us and then having us retest them. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then come to find out they're perfectly fine. Um, I've seen it plenty of times and, and, you know, it maybe was, oh, I, d- I didn't tighten this line down, especially on the LB7. So the truck's making oil, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The injectors are leaking and they forget a return line tightened down or whatever, whatever it may be. And they're paying for it. So do your due diligence guys really. Yeah. Make sure those injector boards are clean, like on the LOIs and, and yeah. Off. Um, there's a lot of them have uh, corrosion or carbon buildup. Uh, if that copper that seal doesn't seal up, you know, it's going to leak compression by. It yep. can uh, ruin your injector and your cylinder head. Uh, torque them properly. Use some ARP lube on the threads and the, the bolt head. Mm-hmm. That's something else kind of to talk about is, um, you know, balance rates. What do you, what do you, what do you think about? balance rates Every, everybody cries oh my balance rates this my balance rates that i mean the, the balance rate in the program is there to help the engine run smooth at idle uh, once you're off idle it goes away and the engine starts operating normal um, you know it, it can help identify if there's a problem uh, if your engine's perfectly healthy you've got equal compression on all the cylinders and you're Injectors are perfectly healthy. All the balance rates, when you add them up, should equal zero or 0.1. Um, but when you start seeing a positive number, and um, that that can be attributed to an engine issue. So if it, if it's just fuel injector problems, they'll still add up to zero or very close to zero. But let's say you've got a bent rod or maybe a broken piston ring or, you know, a very bad head gasket. Or even just valves being out of adjustment. That can, yeah, can help. That can uh, happen too. But if you, like that cylinder is down on compression, uh, you'll see a, a positive value, maybe like 7 or 10, maybe 15. And when you add up all the balance rates, you'll still have a positive value of like 15 or 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that is a more indication of a engine issue but if you have you know balance rates that are kind of all over the place and you add them all up and they come back around to zero it's an injector issue in most cases right so what about a negative balance rate so the way that a balance rate works is uh in order to create a, a smooth running engine from zero either the injector needs to contribute more fuel than the last one that fired, or it needs to pull a little bit of fuel away. And we're only talking, you know, very small microseconds here of adjustment. So um, a positive value would mean like, you know, that the injector has to contribute a little bit more fuel to, you know, uh, I guess compensate for the last cylinder that fired. And then if it's a, a negative value, well, the previous cylinder that fired was a little bit too much, so. It just kind of flips back and forth to keep the engine running smooth. Um, and the, the old saying goes, if it's in, in neutral or park, if it's above plus or minus four, you know, there's an issue. If it's in drive, plus or minus six. But usually if there's a problem, there's going to be other symptoms that go along with that, like injector haze or uh, maybe some knocking going on or rattle. Uh, but if the engine's running fine, like there, there's no other symptoms, 
I, I just, you know, run it, but keep an eye on it. You know, maybe it wouldn't hurt to throw some, uh, you know, fuel additive in there, or injector cleaner, see what happens. Yeah. So what can contribute to an odd balance rate? Like, let's say, uh, for example, you've got one or two injectors that are just not playing ball. Um, wh- I guess w- what leads you to have problematic balance rates outside of your tolerated range? Well, uh, assuming that the engine is in perfect health, um, Injector age, you know, how many miles are on those injectors can play a factor. Uh, or, you know, it could be just the functionality of the injectors. You know, if uh, if they got any bad fuel, that can cause them to not work properly. Uh, Contamination, rust, brass, metal, anything like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, carbon buildup on the nozzles. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and there's a lot of things that can contribute to balance rates being off right i i just wanted to bring it up because we see it on the forums all the time like, oh yeah oh you know i just installed like, these they're from so and so whatever and now my balance rates this or yeah. that and or the, the guy's got the screenshot of his edge while he's driving 65 down the road it's like something's not right here it's like well, yeah well first you're not doing the test right you need to be stationary mm-hmm. uh but right yeah i i think people maybe stress a little too much about them. Yeah, I think and so. overlook, and and just pure, in, in a lack for better terms, ignorance on it. They, they don't know what they're looking at. They're just looking at numbers. and. Well, there's a lot of wrong information out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that they think they're mechanics. Keyboard. Or, yeah, keyboard. keyboard mechanics <laughs> is what they really are. Uh-huh. And, and they're just given bad information. Some do it on purpose, uh, which... Yeah, I don't think that's cool, but no. Uh, you know, some of them just don't know the truth or you know the right the right information. So, um, you know, so you know, we'll we'll chime in sometimes and like, no, no, based on what I'm seeing, this is this is not what you need. You got some other things to look at. Yeah. But yeah, coming from a point of ignorance myself, I had no idea what a balance rate was before about thirty seconds ago. <laughs> So I, if I just pulled up the tuner on my truck and saw that they were all not exactly the same, I'd probably be a little worried about it myself. And then, well, Dan, you explained it that let's say s- cylinder one has 2% too much. The cylinder two draws a little bit of fuel back to keep the force on the pistons and then consequently the crankshaft, everything, keeping it spinning at the same force, the same speed in balance and all of that. That makes sense, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that until just now. Yeah, yeah. and even if your engine's perfect and you're have a brand new set of injectors, th- the balance rates are not going to be zero. You know, there, there's always going to be a little variance between every injector, and the ECM is going to uh, make the adjustments to every cylinder's output, so it, it runs smooth. Essentially, then it's just trimming fuel to make right. it run per- almost right. perfect. Yeah, and then when you get into like the the LMMs, the you know LMLs and newer trucks, they actually have IMA codes or trim codes that's telling the ECM that this is what this injector does, and the ECM already knows how to make those adjustments ahead of time, so it can even more fine tune the idle quality. Basically, there's there's a whole lot of uh, checks and balances on that, and the the newer you get, the better they are. Oh yeah, yeah, For sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, technology has come a long ways. Oh yeah. As far as injectors, turbos, you name it. Well, I mean, even look at that. You look, you look at a 2001 LB7 compared to a 2016 <laughs> LML. Yeah. You know, it's like you had no iPhone in 2001, <laughs> and now you're on a 14. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So. I don't know about you guys. I'm having fun here. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> this is Diesel 101 for me. Yeah, Phil's going to come back to work tomorrow, uh, uh, a new man. I'm going to show up tomorrow in a Duramax. <laughs> Rest in peace to my bank account, but, <laughs> hey, it'll be fun, right? For sure. So um, how many turbochargers did we build last year? Oh, was gracious. Well, I, I, I think, it was think it was around the 1,000 mark, maybe a little yeah. more. Um, it was a lot. Yeah. 
production right. has gone up quite a bit. Um, as far as turbos, injectors, you name it, it's really gone up. Yeah, we, like, we've been busy. Like yeah. year to date, or I was saying like a, a approximately how many? I think it was around a thousand. Yeah. So. Well, we started January of twenty two. At serial number sixteen seventy seven, and we're about three hundred away from three thousand. Okay, so <laughs> maybe a little more than I thought. <laughs> and that was before we were even, or we'll think about even just before we were serializing these turbos. How many? Yeah. went out before that. Um, something to kind of touch point on is just as of recently, um, we acquired a new balancer, so that's mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Yeah, VSR, um, yeah, VSR style balancer. Uh, which basically you're balancing the turbocharger fully assembled, mm-hmm. you know, so as it would be in the truck. So we're running engine oil through the turbo. We're spinning it uh, at 4,000 on the slow speed and up over a hundred thousand on the high speed. So there is no balancing it on a rotor balancer and then taking the assembly apart, putting it together in the cartridge and then send it out the door. There's, there's room for error there, whereas and with the VSR, it's assembled. The bearings are going to get pre-lubed. We're also making sure they're not. there's no leaks, mm-hmm. and then uh, package it up and send it out the door. Yeah, which, which there was no there, – there's nothing wrong with doing it, I would say, on a you – know, like, for instance, our CWT or assembly balancer. balancer. And we, um, we did that for well, a couple of years, two or three years. And a lot of those turbos are – Still, still, out, there still out there running and very healthy. Um, but this is much more accurate, much more precise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's more be- uh, it's more production beneficial. For sure. Because uh, sure. now there's a lot less steps involved, mm-hmm. you know, as far as putting something together, taking it back apart, and then assembling it. Yeah. So talking about machines, touch base a little bit on our injector machines as far as what we what we have acquired over the last couple of years, our EDM machine to hone out our new nozzles, our, our yeah. own nozzles and stuff. So things are yeah. things are moving along yeah. as far as production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we almost need uh, more hands at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we got a pallet of turbos <laughs> end of last week, and they're already gone. Yeah, yeah. we shipped what ten. 10 of one model stage, in yeah, two stage days. Stage 264s, 10 of them went out. So. In two days. Big, mm-hmm. big thanks to our customers, but you guys are working us hard. <laughs> <laughs> and going into that, I think uh, everybody thinks we're bigger than we are in all reality. I mean, yeah. we're a company of 13 people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 14. Yeah. As far as our production side, we are sitting right here. This yeah. is it. Yeah. Besides one shipping guy and... That's it. A, a shop hand that helps out here and there. I, I just recently started putting him in the fuel room to just test injectors for me and kind of give me a little bit of leeway to do turbo stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so bear with us on things, guys. Uh, <laughs> we, we hear we hear it often of, you know, asking when this is going to be done or that, and we're, we're working on it, <laughs> you know. We're, we just take a little extra time to assemble <laughs> those Nice parts that you ordered with yeah. precision, care, and a dash of love. Yeah. <laughs> Here at Dan's Diesel Performance, we love our customers. <laughs> How much time do we have? Well, we're at about 47 minutes now. So, okay. um, um, As far as things in the future, um, what what do we expect? Well, I, I, we need to get some Cummins Turbo stuff done. Yeah, we, we do the five nines. We have a sixty-four mil and a sixty-seven mil, uh, which we barely have time to keep up on uh-huh. that. If if things yeah, like did take off, um, we don't advertise them because we, we don't <laughs> want more work. But right, uh, it, it's something that we need to you know, expand on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the seven threes, the six O's, yeah. and the six seven power strokes as well. So. That and a good bit of S four hundred stuff. So it, it as of recently. Yeah. So even if it's not on the <laughs> website, you know, just give us a call and we can get you set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Matt's been working pretty hard on the website and I've been doing some stuff on it too. 
but there there is a lot of stuff that's not on there yet. So we're trying, yeah. definitely trying. <laughs> There's so many parts. Uh huh. Some might say too many. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there are a lot of parts, and that's the thing. We started out just specializing in Duramax stuff and doing only Duramax stuff, but to grow, you have to expand you know and we have the equipment and knowledge to do it so why not Mm -hmm. that's right power stroke and coming guys (laughs) we we care about you too yeah we're we're getting there (laughs) slowly but surely don't worry uh uh, transmissions allison transmissions Mm -hmm. Uh, whitman's whitman's been building those things left and right uh you know he's, he's still got a few on the build list to get done so it yeah. seems like when he's almost caught up then all of a sudden get a bunch more orders come in which mm-hmm. is awesome yeah. uh what which and that's something else we could maybe talk a little bit about is just our lead times on transmissions they've they've gone down oh yeah quite I a remember, bit i remember uh what was it 21 22 uh it, it was like three to four month lead times just mm-hmm. how backlogged we were uh and the other issue was parts uh yeah. El- elto uh and some other companies you know everything's on back order freaking covid took a hit on on everybody in the diesel community yeah so. and you know just just getting parts in uh supply chain issues so uh, that does put uh, a little bit of a damper on things but finally getting almost caught up but so the great TCM shortage of 2022. <laughs> oh, yeah. GM's been oh. on back order on TCM since September. Mm-hmm. And, like, well, actually, before that, I think A50s, they were out end of or middle of July. And then all of a sudden, we got a bunch of calls for them and depleted our entire inventory in a matter of a couple of weeks. So, you know, now it's, you know, we're just kind of waiting for a GM to get them back in stock. But S- sitting completely on idle. Yeah, I, mean, they're, 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 I, I see guys that are paying, you know, four or five grand for TCMs on eBay, or, or a couple thousand for used ones out of salvage yards, and you know, it it, it sucks because you know without a TCM, the truck is completely useless. So, has GM said anything about uh, like a timeline <coughs> for when they might have more, or are we are we still in the dark I've on heard that? I've heard from a couple people that they're expecting them in early Q2, 23. So April, hopefully, they get them back in stock. But I would imagine that there's going to be a huge uh, demand. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's tons of dealerships that have them on back order right now. Uh, you know, We've got a bunch, a big order on back order right now. Uh, so uh, hopefully they have enough coming to keep up with demand. And we don't know how it's going to really pan out. And yeah. in most cases, I would assume that the dealership is probably going to take priority, priority yeah. over mm-hmm. over us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do buy a lot of them, but we are <laughs> not a GM dealership, <laughs> right. unfortunately. But you know, it, I guess rumor has it that the uh, the manufacturer that they were using before uh, quit doing it or went out of business or whatever. So GM had to change suppliers, and with the chip shortages, this new supplier has been having issues getting the ball rolling. So, but uh, we're starting to hear actual timelines now, so that's a good thing. Indeed. And fortunately, like during the winter time, we don't see a whole lot of TCM failures. Right. Um, I still think the biggest cause of failure is the GM engineers mounting that TCM to the fan shroud. You know, let's, you know, you got the inlet to the radiator right there next to the TCM. So you got your, you put it in the hottest part of the truck. <laughs> so I think the best thing you can do is take the little push pin out, pull the TCM off and stick it over by the fuse box or like on the LMLs, put it between the battery and the ECM bracket. Just get it off of that heat source and probably won't have any issues with it. Yeah, that would be a good conversation for a couple of our mechanics. As yeah. far as GM engineers, <laughs> they deal with it every day. Um, but mm-hmm. well, I think uh, worst worst kind of engineer, 
probably a John Deere engineer. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't. I've worked on my fair share of John Deere equipment, and <laughs> I, I I swear they're out to fuck people. <laughs> that, that that is their job is to make uh, fixing a simple repair as more most complex as possible. Well, they got to make their money too. Yep. <laughs> that, that does track with their uh, their their current processes. <laughs> Don't they say something like an engineer will climb over a pile of virgins just to screw over one mechanic or <laughs> yep. something like that? Yep, correct. Yeah. Yep. So, well, I think this is a pretty good episode. Yeah, I, I would say um, maybe touch base a little bit on injector sizes that we're going to potentially be offering pretty soon. Um, oh, yeah. There, there for a while, we only offered, say, like 100%. That, that was pretty much our cap. Yeah, that, um, that, you know, for... Sending the nozzles out to be modified, uh, we were limited to about 100% over. Uh, but now that we have the equipment, you know, we can go quite a bit larger than that. I've got the LB759 program down, so we're going all the way up to 500% on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next task is to take on the LOI through LMM. Right. Uh, and then probably do some six seven coming stuff, yeah. and then work on the piezos, so LMLs and the six seven power mm-hmm. strokes. Yeah. So, so a lot of R and D is in the works. Um, yeah, I mean, things are coming together. Just got some L five P injectors in for do a little R and D on those. Yeah. So looking forward to taking one of those apart and seeing what can we, we can do to them. Yeah. So look out for it, guys. In the future, as far as injectors, turbos, um, a lot of R&D in the works. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And, and it's cool to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> it's fun. I feel like a scientist. Well, it, for, for me, I, I really like learning. So, you know, taking an injector apart and making one little change to something, like maybe change a shim or... Um, you know, modify the nozzle, or whatever, and put it back together. Run it on the test bench, seeing what that change did. You know, did I did I pick up the output that I wanted? Did I get uh, the pilot injection just right? Uh, is it idling where it's supposed to be? You know, it's it's really cool seeing uh, the little changes that you make. You know, and, and what the result is. Mm-hmm. So that, that hands-on way of uh, researching it yourself is also great way to figure out what exactly does what so what exactly do you need to change or leave alone yeah. on a on a unit to make it do what you want yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this information isn't out there on the internet so you kind of have to no. do trial and error well nobody and, nobody's going to tell their secrets oh no yeah no. <laughs> you know no. so yeah i'm not going to um, tear apart somebody else's product to figure it out so right. you know we'll start from the top and you know work our way down do one thing at a time see what the change does and but uh, it, it was pretty cool working on uh, a 400% over that a customer inquired about. I wanted to see if we could do it. And, you know, I probably took that injector apart and made modifications to it probably 20 times. And, and he's not kidding. When I went back in the field room to just kind of do my regular day-to-day, uh, there there was like 30 test sheets scattered across the, the across field room. When, across the desk? Yeah, the yeah across yeah. the desk and stuff. and it boils down to a lot of trial and error and, and just figuring it out. And that's mm-hmm. where I would say you really excel mm-hmm. on, on things. So and, and that's where, what got you to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so. And I think a lot of us here in the production side of stuff have kind of helped with that. You know, we, uh, we try things and it doesn't work and okay, well we got to do it this way. Yeah, and, and, and adapted that knowledge and, and things. So, right. I mean, um, I think, on our production side, we've got a pretty good group of guys that know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like we're always coming up with something new, some new way to speed up the process, optimize it. The way, even if it, it's just the way we move around the shop, you know, we, we've always got something in the works. Yeah, <laughs> just the fact that we've outgrown our building what <laughs> two, three times over again mm-hmm. at this point. So yeah, a bigger facility is definitely needed. in the works. But oh. yeah. So, but yeah, it's been great. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys, and uh, we're looking forward to our next podcast. Yeah. All right, listeners, adios. <laughs> Signing out.
Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kaiusa.com. Use code 20diesel for 20% off site-wide. It's a great way to save some money, get some cool gear for EDC or hunting, fishing, you know, something to use at, at uh, work or around the house. They've got a ton of choices for you. If you're a knife enthusiast, they've got you know, different blade steels to pick from, opening mechanisms, handle materials, or if you just need something to work hard, um, regardless of what your budget is, um, we appreciate our friends over there offering that just to you guys. So this code and uh, and uh, them sponsoring the podcast is just to be able to help our listeners and you know our little fan base. So we encourage you to head on over there. Also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters. Um, Tyler Lowe and the 23 Diesel, John Caleb. We appreciate all of you guys and the support you've given us throughout the years. Also, all of you who are on our Discord, subscribe on YouTube, podcast apps. You guys keep us going, keep us on our toes. Uh, if you have a recommendation for a show or a guest, make sure and find us on Instagram, Facebook, or you can email us at infothedieselpodcast.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you want to hear about, somebody you want to hear from. We'll make sure and get them on the podcast. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.